And uh, I get the privilege of uh, opening God's Word with you and exploring uh, part of it this morning. So part of what Jim just read is a bit of a taster to where we're going this morning. And um, we, as a church, have been looking at hot topics uh, for the last uh, month or so. And um, these topics have come from you. Uh, We put out the suggestion box and one of the, tried to summarise them all. And so one of the ones that came back was uh, the Holy Spirit and particularly uh, the role of the Holy Spirit manifesting himself um, sort of amongst us. So we're going to explore that a little bit this morning. And um, I wrote a bit of a spiel in the church letter. Uh, You've seen that online or you get a printed copy. And for me, it was sort of just a bit of a summary of where we're heading into uh, this morning. And I think... This whole idea of the Holy Spirit becoming a hot topic is because the Bible reveals that when the Holy Spirit works, it's mysterious. And we don't quite know what's going on. (laughs) And so some people interpret it one way and other people interpret things another way. And uh, we remember Jesus' words um, when he's talking to Nicodemus, he's, he talks about the Spirit sort of blowing here and blowing there, but we can't really understand how it all sort of works. And uh, through the many years, different churches and different denominations have formed sort of theology and expressions of how the Holy Spirit works. Um, there were some that would sort of err towards uh, the spiritual gifts um, uh, and manifestations of the Spirit sort of don't happen anymore. They were for biblical times, and, um, and so we, we don't actually experience that anymore. So there's still people that sort of drift into that camp. And then there are uh, those in the, in the other camp that um, basically say, unless you manifest uh, certain uh, traits of the Holy Spirit, then you can't even be a Christian. Um, and there are sort of those that sit over in that camp. And uh, we sort of interact sort of somewhere in between with all of that. Uh, And so this morning, hopefully, is a little bit of uh, us exploring uh, that together. So um, there's a saying that uh, I found helpful over the years. uh, And it'll probably sort of be the position or, or, or just sort of the outworking sort of in the church circles that I've been in. And it's this little phrase that says, open but cautious. Um, so that we're opening, open to the manifestations of the Spirit and the way that's revealed into the Bible. But we have a cautious aspect uh, to it because um, we know that all the signs and wonders that the Spirit reveal don't necessarily mean, sorry, um, signs don't necessarily mean that God's at work. Okay, so you've got to be, you, because the Bible tells us that all of these things were manifest by other things, not just God. So yes, these can be works of God, but they can be also works of other things. And so we're somewhere in between. How do we discern what's going on? Uh, And so that makes it a hot topic. Because how do we know what's at work uh, here? And so this sort of open but cautious uh, idea is, I I think, probably where we'll head. Jesus is pretty clear that he wants his followers to seek the Holy Spirit 
and to seek the Spirit to work through them, in and through them, uh, and manifest himself uh, through them. And it's sort of in Matthew 7, uh, he's talking about asking the Father uh, for the Spirit to, to work through us. So um, as we um, sort of think about that, we'll go to the next slide, Shainos. We will, um, just a, a bit of sort of an introduction, sort of lay of the land. The Holy Spirit is the third person of the Trinity. Uh, being sort of we, we had our first session of conversations with, about God coming out of Cavell and we're, we're working with the Trinity and we're sitting there with all these young guys trying to work out how the Trinity works. Uh, and we um, realise that uh, the Holy Spirit is the third person of the Spirit. And um, there's this sense that we get when we talk about the Trinity. You might have seen this um, sort of phrase. It's from the Father, through the Son, Jesus, and by the Holy Spirit. And if you read through um, the Bible, it's often the Holy Spirit that leads things to action. So the Spirit comes down and things start to happen. But it's done uh, from the Father. Uh, it's done through, through the Son, through what Jesus has done, uh, through his death, resurrection, ascension, that activated then the Spirit to come amongst us. Uh, and then the Spirit uh, uh, operates sort of through uh, God's people and manifests itself that way. And if you look through the Old Testament, in the Old Testament, you will often sort of see the phrase or read the phrase that the Holy Spirit came on someone and they did something. And the Holy Spirit came on something and something miraculous happened or something powerful happened or something changed or they heard from God or something like that. And that um, continues uh, in the New Testament as well uh, as, the, as the Holy Spirit then is poured onto the church so not in the Old Testament was sort of more specific people, but now it's poured on the church. Anyone who believes in Jesus becomes a vessel of the Holy Spirit and manifests um, the work of the Holy Spirit uh, in their lives. And so uh, that sort of, uh, um, sort of, when it comes to the church living this out, it's often the power of the Holy Spirit uh, that makes this happen. Uh, someone, I was just reading it this week as well that um, even that was true for Jesus. As Jesus, so he lived his 30 odd years on the, on, the, on the earth and then he comes to this time of ministry and then the spirit comes on him and then all sorts of stuff happens. Uh, and there's that sort of sense that that's what happens for us as the church. So that's just sort of a framework for uh, how that works. And also just that line, uh, Father gives the Spirit, Holy Spirit to those who ask. That whole um, passage of ask, seek, knock, um, Jesus sort of ends the end of it in Luke, particularly he says, um, and the Father gives the Holy Spirit to those who ask. And so we need to be a people uh, asking for the Holy Spirit. And this is not just a once-off Holy Spirit experience. We keep asking for the Holy Spirit to work in and through us uh, in our situations and lives. But as I said, uh, we're rem reminded that signs, wonders and miracles and manifestations uh, are not necessarily always of God, that Satan can do them just as well. You've got to know that. Remember, the magicians in Pharaoh's time could do most of the miraculous things. Not all of them. God sort of trumps them all or trumps them in that, and we sort of see God's strength in that. But we remember uh, Jesus' words to people when they came to him and said, we prophesied, we healed, we cast out demons in your name, but we didn't know you. Oh, he, goes, he says, go away, I don't know you. Um, we know that Satan is an angel that, uh, sorry, um, he masquerades as an angel of light. It comes with power. 
And so we've got to be discerning uh, with these sorts of things uh, as well. We read about um, yeah, sorcerers, we read about um, false prophets, Balak and stuff like that, that were um, not working from God, but were doing uh, miraculous stuff as well. So uh, as uh, our church, our, we come from a Christian Reformed Church heritage, um, and I suppose if we were to look through our history, we would probably come from the cautious side of things, and we probably over... Uh, time have probably not uh, pursued the, the Spirit's uh, work amongst us if we look through our history. We've probably uh, at times overemphasized the, the sort of the supremacy of the Bible and understanding things from the Bible. We've probably at times um, focused uh, too much on Jesus to the detriment of the Holy Spirit. It's almost like you can't say that, like, but I think that's, that's true. And I think that, that's sort of from the denomination through the background um, that we come from. Uh, I read a book preparing for this. Uh, Francis Chan read it, and he. It, the title of the book is "The Forgotten God," and it was about Holy Spirit. He's sort of the sort of uh, um, re- reflecting that reality. Um, but on the other side of things, we come out of a denomination that has um, good doctrine on, particularly suffering. I think that come. We have a good uh, emphasis on the Bible and on the sovereignty of God over all things. On the flip side, uh, sort of from the charismatic Pentecostal churches, uh, their openness uh, has their openness is probably um, overemphasized at times the work of the Holy Spirit and allowed uh, experience to trump doctrine or good theology uh, around sickness or suffering and some of those sorts of things as well. But uh, as part of uh, the church's journey through history, they've definitely helped us understand um, joy, awe and wonder in worship uh, and in many ways have helped us not to forget the work of the Holy Spirit. And so I think you can sort of see that the the church together works together as we're trying to work out how this uh, mysterious work of the Holy Spirit uh, happens amongst us. Jesus spends uh, his last time with his apostles, with the disciples, teaching them about the Holy Spirit. And it's interesting as he teaches them about the Holy Spirit, there's not actually a lot about the manifestation of the Holy Spirit. He talks about actually the, the work of the Holy Spirit in them, in us. Uh, and he says the, the Holy Spirit is going to be uh, the one who's going to um, transform you. He's actually going to be the one that convicts you of sin. He's going to be the one that comforts you. He's the one who's going to reveal who Jesus is. He's going to be the one who reveals the truth, um, that sort of stuff. He's one that gives um, yeah, comfort, wisdom, as Christ's Spirit uh, uh, comes on the church and says, my spirit will then help me to, or help you uh, uh, to continue my mission. But as this is hot topics, and as you have requested, we're going to sort of not look at the broader stuff of, of the Holy Spirit, but I just want to put you in the context that we're, we're looking at one sort of aspect or specific uh, uh, section of the work of the Spirit. So uh, the Holy Spirit we know works internally and as we've sort of already alluded to, he works externally. We know that there's the whole fruit of the Spirit that sort of manifests itself as well. 
but then today, uh, particularly, we just want to sort of focus on some of those manifestations of the Spirit that happen in uh, signs, wonders, healings, powerful sort of expressions of uh, the Holy Spirit. Okay. And so, um, if you've got your Bibles open, um, I've, what I came across this week as I was thinking, oh, how do I do this with others just sort of out talking here, there and everywhere? So, what I've done is, I've, I've, there's three sort of main passages that particularly talk about the gifts of the Spirit. Um, in 1 Corinthians sort of 12 to 14, Romans 12 and Ephesians 4. That, that, but I'm going to use the, uh, the 1 Corinthians sort of 12, 13, 14 uh, section. And I'll just read out the start of 1 Corinthians 12 that says this. Uh, I think we're on to the next slide. Sorry, Shane. Yeah, there we go. It says, Now, about spiritual gifts, brothers and sisters, I don't want you to be ignorant. You know that when you were pagans, somehow or another you were influenced and led astray by mute idols. Therefore, I tell you that no one who is speaking by the Spirit of God says, Jesus, be cursed. And no one can say, Jesus is Lord, except by the Holy Spirit. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but the same God who works all of them in all men. Now, to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To one, there is given through the Spirit the message of wisdom. To another, a message of knowledge by the means of the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same spirit to another gifts of healing by that same spirit to another miraculous powers to another prophecy to another distinguishing between spirits and then to another speaking in different kinds of tongues and still to another the interpretation of tongues but all these are the work of the same spirit and he gives them to each one as he determines and the next section there goes into the one body many parts where it talks about the church and that the church operates as these gifts work together. Um, and as we sort of, as different parts of the body work together, um, those with different um, gifts and different manifestations of the gifts work together to uh, display God uh, to the world. So I think, uh, what have we got? We don't. God says, I don't want you to be ignorant about these. So we can't just put a bury our head in the sand and don't think, oh, we don't want to know too much about it. We actually need to pursue uh, an understanding of them. Uh, we recognise that uh, each person uh, receives a manifestation of the Spirit and it's given for the church. And they are given by God. Um, and as I said, many gifts to uh, the body. And in the, the, the section that... Um, Jim read for us, uh, Paul starts to talk specifically about an issue that was happening in the Corinth church about prophecies and tongues, but particularly in that section he sort of picks up on this idea of um, follow the way of love and eagerly desire spiritual gifts. And I think um, Paul in this letter has specifically sort of structured these three chapters because right in the middle of these two chapters about manifestations of the Spirit is this chapter on love. <laughs> that we all know so well. Um, and if you've got it in your Bibles, I think it's in my Bible, I've just got the NIV in front of me, and it does an unfortunate break um, because the end of chapter 12 finishes, uh, but eagerly desire the greater gifts, and then mine has a break there, it's halfway through a verse, 
And then it says, now I will show you the most excellent way. And if you speak in the tongues of men and angels, but you do not have love, you're only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. So again, you can see that sort of reinforces that some of this stuff can manifest itself and it actually not be of God. Because it's not driven by love, it's nothing. And so the unfortunate thing is that we separate those two, that actually they flow in, that... um, the desire for gifts and understanding of gifts has got to be driven out of love. And uh, as you go through that chapter, you probably, many of you, it's got to be driven out of a love for God and a love for his people. That's why we want to see the, the gifts manifest themselves. We want to see the gifts manifest themselves so that people get to know God and see God and experience God. Um, and we want uh, it to be driven out of the needs of the people that we're serving. And so, as you would have heard many times on the, um, the gifts of the Spirit, as, you, as I'm explaining that, you, you would notice a big absence of the person that the gift are given to. The, the, gift, the person that the gift is given to is really sort of irrelevant in all of this. Uh, God just chooses to use that person to be a manifestation of him for his glory and for the good of others. Uh, and particularly in the context of the church, it's brought together. Uh, and so we become um, sort of vessels of his work. And I think it's really good to keep that in mind as we don't want to be ignorant and we desire the gifts and we want to seek the gifts and seek the powerful manifestations of the Spirit. They're actually for God's glory and for the good of others, and I'm just the vessel for by which they, may, that they um, express themselves. So that's uh, good for us to think about uh, as we engage in this stuff as well. Um, I'll just pick up a couple of bits in here. Uh, each of, to each one, the manifestation of uh, the Spirit has been given. Uh, in, in our church over the years, we've done sort of the networking type things of trying to understand our gifts. Probably, I, I think, and, and I think there's been a bit of stuff written about this, where some of those gift courses have gone in the past have probably sort of become a little bit like labelling devices and that we've, we've tried to sort of label sort of ourselves or people and try. And I think um, probably we're sort of, expressions of the Spirit seem to go more sort of biblically is they come on the church as the church needs them or as people need them or as God needs to be. And it's a bit less that that only works through one particular person or the Spirit only works that way in that person any one time. Uh, I think what we do see is that uh, over time, um, I think this is sort of the complexity of the way God's designed us, personality uh, and experience tend to help uh, individuals uh, sort of operate in one of those gifts probably or a few of those gifts more often than others. But it just doesn't limit you to that. I, just, I think some of those courses head you to limit that's the only way you work. But no, the Spirit comes on his church uh, to reveal his power in different ways at different times. So you just got to keep that there. Even though you may sort of have a tendency to work in one sort of area or one sort of uh, bent, which I think that's part of God's design for us uh, as people in that. Um, and we've because uh, we hear these gifts, and if you read through some of those ones that I just said, you can see that they manifest themselves in different ways in different people. But yet, if you read the Ephesians 4, that's where he says, Some are called apostles, some are called prophets, some are called so they're known by their sort of gifting. 
and you get those two again. So it's again, it's mysterious and it's, um, we, we have a strong suit in some ways, but we don't limit uh, the spirit to working in that sort of way. Uh, we've talked about there for the good of the church. I think I've sort of covered uh, that. Uh, the, the one that I was um, probably is a little bit different for that is uh, the gift of tongues. Because the Bible then sort of refers to it being um, for, um, uh, for uh, edifying, edifying of self, but also edifying of the church. And the way Paul talks about it, if you read through chapter 14, there is a sort of a personal edification that haps, happens there as well. Then there is the whole expression of tongues when the tongues... Uh, ex- expression happens publicly then there needs to be an interpretation that sort of goes with it and that sort of um, how that sort of handles but most uh, all the other gifts are sort of an external expression um, for the church and for uh, the good of others and for God's glory Uh, they work collectively I think that's the other good thing to know that I know Often, uh, God's uh, the manifestation of the Spirit. Often, it gets a bit messy. It's not just sort of one particular expression of um, the spiritual gifts, but they actually they sort of go together. And signs and wonders and miracles or healing or working through a person actually works collectively through a church body. Uh, so that I think that's good to um, keep in mind as we think about uh, this as well. Uh, one of the things uh, that is often mentioned in and around this, and this was particularly the issue in in the Corinthian church, is that pride lurks around the power of the Holy Spirit. And there's all these these warnings (laughs) around watch for pride around, because remember how it's supposed to work? But you are supposed to be insignificant in it. It's supposed to be about God's glory and the good of others. God's just chosen to reveal himself through you. So just watch the pride stuff. And it's so easy for us uh, to do and to, to start taking the glory. I always think of it as the, um, that Far Side cartoon. Um, there's a Far Side cartoon. I should have got a copy of it. There's a, a, a photo of a beautiful sort of sunset. Um, and then there's a guy that's sort of sticking his head into the photo. And it says, it would have been the perfect photo except for Bert's head or something like that. And I think that's what we do with the gifts. God sort of wants people to see this amazing sunset of him and for their need, and we're sort of sticking our heads in and saying, <laughs> it's come through me. So just watch that um, as we um, wrestle with this. Um, yeah, chapter 13, we've sort of, that, that fits in the middle. If we flick to the next slide, where are we at? Oh yeah, it sort of goes on to 14. There's sort of some points there. Um, eagerly desire the greater gifts. There seems to be... Um, uh, a bit of a hierarchy of gifts listed there. Uh, and he lists, he lists um, apostles, prophets, teachers, uh, and then sort of some of the miraculous stuff, if you notice, actually comes down the list or some of the healings, miracles, that sort of stuff. Um, some people make a lot of this, some people don't. I'm not going to make a big thing of it, um, but I, I do think there is something, and I've, I've heard people talk about... Um, uh, sort of speaking gifts or word gifts, gifts that uh, manifest themselves in a way that people uh, hear about God and hear about Jesus uh, and uh, get insight into their life about God and Jesus. And I, I think they do; they are sort of highlighted here uh, in um, in the gifts and in the expression of the gifts that um, healings often go with uh, an explanation of how that happened. 
um, miracles often go, you know, expl explanation of teaching. And see so that they're sort of working together because what's the good of doing them if you don't sort of explain how they work? And it, I think there is a bit of a flavour in that in all the chapters that um, there needs to be sort of these... Um, that some people make big things of uh, apostles. Uh, apostles were the only the 12. Uh, I heard this explained well, that there are big A apostles, capital apostles, which are 12s, uh, sort of the 12, Jesus' 12. But then there are those with sort of apostolic gifts, which they sort of say small a, um, uh, which probably are those that have sort of gifts in vision, in leading, in on, um, sort of pioneering, that sort of stuff. And I think um, some of the expressions of gifts uh, happen that way as well. Um, sort of Old Testament prophecy versus New Testament prophecy. There's all sorts of uh, word around that. In the New Testament, there definitely seems to be a bit more of uh, test the words of prophets, um, weigh them up, consider them amongst others, rather than uh, Old Testament, which does tend to have more of thus says the Lord. The Lord said. And, um, and so I think when we uh, hear and experience um, prophecy and, and some of the... We need to be discerning uh, in that as well and uh, test those words. Um, it's interesting what he does with the gifts in chapter 12 when he's talking about the body. Because he actually starts to talk about the miraculous gifts of healing and um, miracles and power. And he talks about them as the less honourable gifts. <laughs> and they're the ones that are actually sort of... Um, he talks uh, about at the end... Um, he talks about our presentable parts and, and they're the ones often hidden uh, behind... Uh, and I just thought that was interesting, the way he sort of deals with, uh, with that as well. Um, and just remind, uh, be reminded that there are, um, sorry, there are um, really, um, really visible and powerful sort of expressions of the Holy Spirit and manifestations of it, but there are also um, behind-the-scenes ones. That's sort of more where he's going. So there's gifts of administration um, of craftsmanship, of things like that, which probably don't sort of go out there in terms of, but they're sort of supernatural working for the good of the church as well. And he says, don't forget those. They're powerful as well um, in, in the way that they express themselves in the church. Um, we follow, we're into chapter 14. Um, again, just, I, I think we just need, particularly from us who come from our tradition, if you've been in sort of reform, we need to hear these words of eagerly desire the gifts and especially prophecy. And I, I think that sort of that idea of making God known um, and um, particularly when Jesus is sending off his apostles, he does talk about that the Spirit will make things known of the future, sort of this, this future idea. And so um, revelations of God and his work in people's lives uh, is really sort of heightened up there. Um, he wants people to know that God is involved in their lives um, and speaking into their lives as well. Uh, I won't go into the whole prophecy tongues thing here, but that was probably happening uh, in the church at the time. But again, just sort of highlights this idea of um, clear expression of who God is and how he works alongside uh, the manifestation uh, of the Holy Spirit, that they're used. And in that passage, if you read through chapter 14, um, Paul constantly is talking about this is for the good of the church because what was happening in the Corinth church is they were saying, look at me, and it was a spiritual pride was coming in as 
people were manifesting um, the gifts of the Spirit and it was, it was more about them. And um, it's really easy, um, and I, I find it a real hard tension at times, when you um, around people who sort of operate in spiritual realm more than maybe yourself, that sort of manifest the gifts or the miraculous gifts, and you're talking to them and they're all excited and they're sort of stuff like that and, they're, they're, and that you actually begin to feel a little bit spiritually inferior. And I think it's a, it's a tension because I don't think necessarily people are intending to do that. Sometimes they are and sometimes I think... So for me, I've got to constantly remind myself, don't keep talking about myself all the time. <laughs> because I talk about I did this and I saw this and, and it's sort of... So just watch how we talk about the use of our, our spiritual gifts because it can make people feel spiritually inferior. Um, so that's sort of, I think, attention uh, as well. And I like where he finishes at the end of chapter 14. I think this is really good for us to think. At the end of chapter 14, uh, he says, uh, as, as the, the, the Spirit is manifesting itself uh, in and through the people, uh, this is what he sort of wants the results to be, that... Uh, as people hear and experience the power of God and the Holy Spirit, that the secrets of their heart will be laid bare and that they will fall down and worship God. <laughs> so that's sort of where the manifestation of the Spirit wants to go, is that if people see it and experience it, they fall down and they say, <laughs> this is God, God was in this place. Not Glenn was in this place or... I think, yeah, that's really good for us to think about. So when we're sort of experiencing... Any, um... Okay, let's get down to some nitty-gritty. That's why you sort of came... That was on some of the list. Okay, where are we going? Last slide. Okay. Um, so how does it work here at One Hope? Uh, we, from the Reformed Heritage, part of the Reform, Christian Reformed Churches uh, of Australia... Um, and that sort of uh, affects the way we engage with this. Um, probably what we're seeing around the world at the moment is uh, an increased love for Reformed theology. And you actually see a lot of charismatic Pentecostal churches, um, their theology actually becoming more Reformed. And, and you see sort of, uh, if you look at our journey as a church, you look at Reformed churches actually becoming more charismatic. Um, and I would call myself a charismatic reform, a reformed charismatic or something like that. I've got reformed th theology and, and charismatic in terms of we believe that the Spirit still manifests himself fully in all of the gifts and um, miraculous ways. Um, where am I? Sorry, I got lost. Um, so uh, in, uh, and, and what you find, um, so yeah, what I think we find at the moment, and, and I grew up sort of 20 or 30 years ago, this was a much greater divisive issue between denominations and churches. And I actually see that God's actually brought unity um, through in, in denominations and, and churches to understand uh, the mysterious working of the Holy Spirit in light of his word and, um, and his truth. And I think we as a church has gro have grown because of that. Um, and obviously we're still uh, learning and, uh, and growing in that. Uh, and so uh, the practice of spiritual gifts here we probably tend towards the more cautious approach and so you don't see around here lots of expressions of the spiritual um, gifts in a very 
public way. Although um, they do tend to happen, people here in this church, I know, um, speak in tongues, pray in tongues. We sort of go probably with the 1 Corinthians 14 sort of version that we don't do public speaking of tongues. Um, I have very rarely seen a public speaking of tongue and an interpretation with it. I think I've heard a couple of times, but it often doesn't happen. Uh, I think uh, where if you go into some of the charismatic churches where they land with that is that it's a personal sort of, because you can go there and there's big speaking in tongue stuff together. Where they go with that, I think, is that it's a personal prayer language that is manifesting itself collectively in, in one presence. Uh, and so they build some stuff around that. I don't particularly want to make judgments of that. I'm just sort of saying this is the way we express it and understand it here. Um, and why you don't experience lots of speaking in tongues publicly here. Um, although um, people here pray in tongues um, fairly regularly. Um, the other one is, uh, yeah, so um, I think uh, because of the, the gifts of sort of healing, prophecy, you know, some of those more miraculous ones um, tend to happen probably more behind the scenes in our church rather than up front in the church. Um, I know that um, people in our church regularly um, give words to other people, give uh, insights to other people. I know that there are regularly um, prayers for healing uh, and we've experienced um, he uh, healings uh, in our midst as well. Um, the oh yeah sorry the other one I, this was really good just um, sorry just go backing onto the um, speaking in tongues thing Francis Chan does this great thing um, where he sort of gets up and he says I don't speak in tongues I've been praying for tongues and I've asked God for tongues but just to realise that spiritual gift of speaking in tongues is a gift of God Remember what we heard earlier, that God dispenses as he needs, as he sees fit. So if you don't speak in tongues, it's fine. Just God hasn't given you that gift. Don't heighten it to a place that it is the expression of the Holy Spirit. It's okay to say that you don't speak in tongues and that you're full of the Spirit and he manifests um, um, himself in other ways in your life as well. I think that's really good uh, to happen. Um, in gift of prophecy and stuff like that, I think um, I've seen that powerfully work amongst people. Um, and I think I've seen it work well here, where um, in praying for people, um, and, and, and I've seen people in our church uh, go to other people here um, with words that they had received, either scriptures or um, images. And I think I've really liked some of the language around, I was praying for you, had this word for you, um, take it and discern it. Pray about it, ask about it, and I think that sort of prophetic voice uh, tends to happen. I have also experienced and had to do the pastoral mop-up of people coming to people in this church with a vision, um, uh, sorry, with a prophetic word that pretty well went the opposite of what the person was saying. And it it was devastating for the people involved. And so somehow I've got to deal with that tension. That someone thinks that they've got a prophetic word or vision for someone, they give it to them, and it, the opposite happens. And it, it was a devastating opposite. And so, well, what is God doing in amongst that? Was that God? Wasn't that God? 
And so this is some of that hot topic stuff. <laughs> I don't really know how to deal with this. Well, I do know that God is sovereign over that and he can probably still use what happened. But I think when we're in the practice of it, we just have to be a little bit more, uh, or we have to be a bit discerning and say, you might want to think about this, pray on this, test God on it, ask other people about it as well. So watch that whole, um, God told me this. I think we use a bit of that language and I think it's sort of, we just need to be careful of it, I think. Um, So, and and I I don't doubt that God, um, you know, he reveals stuff to us, but just need to, again, think about how other people um, hear that language. The other side is, I think for us as a church, we need to learn and grow in celebrating God's miraculous work amongst us. Um, we had a healing in our um, life group about a month or two ago. Um, and it was interesting because I was sceptical about talking about it. <laughs> and I was thinking, oh, why is that? And I think it's some of my, my history and stuff like that, that I come out of this overly cautious sort of idea. But um, we prayed for someone in our group um, and why we were praying they were healed. Um, and, it was, and, and it was amazing what sort of it did for the group as well, um, that, we, that we experienced God's sort of power amongst us. And I was thinking to myself, I, 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 then I get reluctant on talking about that. And so I think we, I need to, we need to improve on that. Um, and as we talk about that, um, pointing to God in it, uh, I think it's really good for individuals to express that as well. So it's coming from them. Uh, because I think what the tendency we do when we sort of work on manifestations of the Holy Spirit is sometimes we want to use them to prove God. So we want to sort of, and so we sort of search for things to sort of prove God's been at work and we rest on sort of that stuff rather than resting on who God is and who we are because of him. And I, think, I know that's my tendency and I've heard other people say that too. Sometimes we, we search for this stuff and almost we try to manifest it ourselves rather than allowing the Spirit um, to manifest it. So just again, watching some of our language uh, in and around that as well. Um, so eagerly desire the gifts, be willing to share them, don't be ignorant. Um, this, these questions here sort of came up as I was thinking about it. Um, should we go out and seek prophets? So prophets sort of come in other church circles more probably than ours, that someone comes with a prophetic gift, should we go and seek them? And I think my answer was yes and no. <laughs> I, I think it's again the whole topic thing that I think some people actually sort of need that and, and, and a prophetic gift manifests itself. But if it's about um, relying on that prophet more than God, you just, you just need to discern that. Um, and this is why these things become hot topics because you don't, someone goes to something like that and it's a horrible experience. Other people go to something like that and it's the most powerful experience. Should we go out and seek healers? Again, yes and no. Sometimes I've heard people go to healing services and stuff like that and powerful things have happened. Other times I've heard people have gone to them and horrible things have happened. They've ended up in hospital and stuff like that. I don't know. <laughs> I think we need to be discerning with it, but I don't think we need to throw the baby out with the bathwater. I think some of, it, some of that stuff. And just remember, particularly around those things, the context of um, the world that we live in, live in 
of how suffering works, how sin works, and how Satan works. And that um, healing is not uh, necessarily a sign uh, of God uh, at work, and non-healing is not necessarily a sign of God not working. So there's lots of people in the Bible that didn't get healed from their stuff, and yet God was doing amazing, powerful things by his Spirit in them. Uh, should we seek out signs and wonders? I think you can know my answer, yes and no. I think sometimes um, that works. Uh, it's interesting, because I thought about this. I just had a, an incident recently where um, a sort of prophetic person and healer sort of came to town and talking with some people, uh, and there was just mass... Um, mass people flocked to it and they were there and they were talking a bit about what was happening and I just thought oh, why are they all just flocking to this as some crowd you know, guy in town so everyone flocks to them and you know, that, that wouldn't, Jesus wouldn't have done that and I thought no that's what happened when Jesus came to town <laughs> the crowds flocked to him and there was something about his power that, and the work of the spirit through him that drew people uh, to him. so I don't write it off possibly, uh, totally, but I also there's caution around so some of that stuff that I look at and I just cringe because I think it's more about the person than it is about God. Um, I found this quote by Jonathan Edwards in 1740 and he's talking about the, r- the work of the Holy Spirit and he says, don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. When revival comes to town, there's always a layer of false emotions <laughs> that come with it. And that, I think that that's reality. It's, it's sort of our human nature that when God sort of starts to work and does powerful things, there's always a level of human nature and sin and stuff that sort of floats around that as well. And it's dealing with the tension um, of that. Um, one of the ones that sort of comes up a bit for me in recent times is what do we do with, um, with Bethel? And I'm going to read, I'm, I'm mentioning their name specifically because I found this quote this week. Um, Bethel sort of church in California and they're sort of signs, wonders. I don't know lots about them, but that's sort of where it seems to go. Uh, their worship stuff and things like that. And then this found this quote, and I forgot to write down who it is, so it's not me, but I forgot to write down who it is. So He says, um, Bethel seems actually a fairly suitable name for this church. On encountering it, people either say, surely God was in this place and I didn't know it. Quoting Genesis 28, when Jacob was in Bethel, and he quotes this. But then he says, or they say, do not go to Bethel, for nothing good should come out of it. Which is quoting Amos, Amos 5.5, 5, because what the Israelites ended up doing is that they built a false temple at Bethel. And they went craving, thinking that there was something special about that place. And they set up a, a whole sort of false priesthood and everything uh, around it. Uh, so the question, this is, quote continues, the question I'm often being asked seems, um, is the one the Old Testament worships were asking, Bethel, is it either the most powerful expression of God's presence on earth or is it an, idolater- an idolatrous shrine? <laughs> and I think often when it comes to this sort of stuff or, you know, bigger churches or... We're asking those same questions. Andrew um, and I were talking about this, and Andrew has, has brought, um, he's mentioned this to me, to me a few times, and it's stuck in my head. He had a guy at YWAM 
that when it came to sort of the expressions and manifestations of the Holy Spirit in sort of YWAM circles, there was this old guy, what was his name? I can't remember. Ken. Um, and he sort of said, he said, when these sort of things happen and manifest themselves in churches or, or services or whatever, he says, we need to be careful that we don't build a camp around it and crave that and then develop a theology around the expression of that. Because that's sort of what we want to do. We, we crave, we've we actually got to keep our eyes fixed on, on God and who he is, fixed on Jesus. Keep him, the glory for him, uh, the needs of others, uh, and, and, and work on our sort of biblical sort of theology and understanding big-pictured stuff. Because often when we do that, it becomes sort of more people-centred or a manifestation-centred rather than God-centred. And I'll finish up <laughs> with the in John 3, 8, where Jesus is talking to Nicodemus again. And he says, The wind blows where it wishes. You hear the sound of it, but you do not know where it comes from or where it's going. So is everyone born of the Spirit. I think in the end that's where we end up <laughs> with this hot topic, <laughs> is that the Spirit manifests itself in different ways in different places. But we are called as God's people to eagerly desire the manifestations of the Spirit while having a discerning heart and practice uh, amongst us. So hopefully, and I've been praying, that God will continue to reveal himself through his Spirit uh, in us as a church, that we'll grow in understanding, grow in practice, um, so that God's glory will be displayed and the needs of people will be met through the manifestations of his gifts his spirit through us as his people. Let's pray. Father God, we come to you this morning and because of this topic that we've been talking about and this passage we've been dealing with, we ask, Father God, that you will send us your spirit, that as your church, we ask for your Holy Spirit to come on us with power, that you would manifest yourself um, in and through us, that we would know your presence amongst us, that we, we would see your, display, uh, your power displayed through us. And Lord, that we would see um, people experience you and people's lives changed and transformed as you interact with them and that more and more people would fall on the ground and, and, and just worship you and be in awe of you as your power, as your truth is revealed through us, your church. So we ask that you would anoint us with your spirit, that you would gift us as a church, that your gifts would continue to be manifest and displayed through us as your people. And we pray this for your glory, for the good of others, and for the upbuilding of your church, and for the extension of your kingdom. In the name of Jesus. Amen.